Hey everybody, welcome to the Modern Nonprofit Fundraiser. My name is David Cady. I'll be your host for today. Uh, we all have our special guest with us, Adam Walker. Uh, we're having a lot of questions here with Adam to give some background on himself. Talk about just the state of fundraising, more about what nonprofits can be doing, especially as we enter into 2019, thinking about this first year. So welcome, Adam. Thanks for hopping on today. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. This is going to be fun. Yes, we're going to keep it fun. Uh, we want to make sure to get a lot of good information about not only yourself, but um, just your expertise. So why don't we start, just tell me a little bit about yourself um, and then a little bit about what you do. Oh man, uh, let's see. I always start my bios with uh, husband and father of five because that probably defines me more than anything else. And uh, aside from that, I'm also the co-founder of Sideways 8. So we're a digital marketing agency that uh, focuses on work with a lot of larger national nonprofits. And uh, I'm also the co-founder of 48 and 48, which is a nonprofit itself that hosts events to build uh, websites for nonprofits. So we build, we do events to build 48 nonprofit websites in 48 hours. And in 2019, planning to do about 10 events. Well, that's great. And we're excited to talk more about 48 and 48. It's a great opportunity, especially for our listeners to think about uh, how they can be involved. But I'd love to hear just how in the world did you get to be where you are today? Why, why nonprofits? Why a digital agency? What kind of sparked all of that? Uh, accident, uh, <laughs> Providence, uh, it depends on how you want to look at it, I suppose. So, uh, the, the very, very long story short, uh, I met my, my current business partner, co-founder of sideways eight when we were actually both on staff at a church. Uh, so we have a, we both kind of have a church work background and, um, because church work does not exactly pay uh, a ton of money, um, at the, at the lower rungs. Anyway, uh, we were always doing side projects and, one side project led to more side projects, led to more side projects. And, and the, the short version is that eventually it became an actual business uh, that became an actual company. And then once we were a company, you know, we're looking around and realizing, you know, we really should focus on a specific industry. What industry do we know the most about? Where, where do we want to spend our time helping people? And nonprofits is a great place to spend time. Uh, being able to help people that are helping people is rewarding in and of itself. And we have a lot of expertise in it because we've, we've been there, we've done that, we've been in them, we've run them, uh, the, whole, the whole deal. And so it just kind of made sense to, to sort of go for it. And then on the, on the 48 and 48 side, sort of similar story, uh, I became very good friends with a, a guy named Jeff Hillemeyer and he had helped He'd run a bunch of big agencies and had this idea for how to help nonprofits. He approached me with the idea and said, Hey, could we, you know, could we build five websites in a weekend? And cause he knew I was the website guy. Right. And yeah, we can build five websites and okay, can we, how about 10, 20, 30, 40, he got to 50. I was like, all right, look, we can build 50, but we got to stop there. Like that's gotta be the cap. And he's like, let's just back it off. Let's do 48 and 48. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I'll help you do it. We'll figure it out. And, um, I, I kind of assumed I was the first volunteer and then we had a, our first meeting about it and Jeff introduced me as his co-founder. So, <laughs> so I, got, I got upgraded that first meeting. And uh, so ever since, I've been moving that ball forward as well. So we started that uh, nonprofit in 2015 and uh, are entering into another, I guess, what, our fourth year now. So we started with one event in Atlanta, then we expanded to uh, two events and then uh, I think, what, four, six and 10 or something like that. So we're growing fast. Our goal for 48 and 48 is by 2025, to host 48 events simultaneously in one weekend across the world, each event building 48 nonprofit websites in 48 hours. 
Well, that's great. Well, since we're on the topic, tell me a little bit more about 48 and 48. What is it? How did this get started? And then where can people find more info about this, even get involved? Well, I'll start with the more info. Uh, so the more info is uh, 48in48.org. That's 48in48.org. And the the bottom line for all listeners is we, we build free marketing websites for nonprofits. So uh, if you are a nonprofit or you know a nonprofit that needs a website, which I think a large majority do, we'd love to have you sign up because we always need more nonprofits to sign up to be a part of our events. Um, like, you know, like I mentioned before, you know, 48 and 48 got started with me and Jeff really just trying to gather our friends in Atlanta together to see, you know, can we bring enough people together? Can we build the systems to build 48 websites in 48 hours? And, you know, that, that first weekend that we did it, uh, we weren't sure we could do it. You know, we're, we're getting together to try something new that's bold and innovative. And we were able to pull it off. And at the end of the event, all the volunteers were like, great, now are we doing this again next year? And Jeff and I kind of look at each other and go, yeah, we're doing this again next year. Sure, you know. And, and then the question was, okay, well, if we can do this in Atlanta with our friends, can we do this in another city where we don't know people, where we don't have friends or don't have a lot of friends? And so we figured we'd try out in New York City. If you can, you know, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. I guess the saying goes. And Sure enough, we could make it. You know, we were able to build 48 websites in 48 hours there as well. And then the, the ball just keeps rolling and get, the momentum just continued to build and build and build. And we've got great sponsors. You know, Delta has been a great sponsor, State Farm, a lot of, a lot of other really amazing sponsors along the way that have helped us to, to grow and give us the confidence we need to sort of uh, continue to expand nationally. And then internationally, we, we did our first international event uh, last year in London. As a matter wow. That's great. Well, it sounds, I mean, the big part is it's fun and you guys are making it um, something that, you know, seems like, you know, everyone has to have a website, right? It's part of just the normal, uh, how we got to run organizations, but uh, being able to kind of shine a light on it, make it a big fun event. Uh, you guys are doing a great job there. Right. And in, in our goal in it too, it's like you mentioned, it's a fun event. Our goal is to engage professional marketers to use their skills for good. And so it's, it's great because we get to do really two things in a, 40, in a 48 and 48 event. The first thing we get to do is we get to engage professional marketers. So they're using their skills for good. And what's amazing about that is these are really valuable skills that have, have a very high, you know, billable hourly rate that they're now using for free to help nonprofits. So we're able to get them to use that. And then we're also able to help nonprofits, you know, look better so that they can do more good in the world. Well, that's a, that's a good point too. I mean, you guys are spending a lot of time and energy in making this event a success, but you know, kind of begs the question of why, why is it important for a nonprofit to, to have a website and a good website at that? Like why spend the time doing this? What, uh, what do you see as the, the big payoff for nonprofits? Uh, validity is really the big payoff for nonprofits. I, I mean, most of the world looks at marketing materials. We look at websites, we look at these things and it's a validation tool to determine if a nonprofit is legit and if we want to give them our trust. And, and by trust, I mean, uh, do we want to give them our time? Do we want to give them our money? Do we want to give them our resources? And we're not going to give our resources to a nonprofit that we don't trust, that we don't have faith in. And so what good marketing does and specifically a good website does is it allows us to build that trust, to build that faith. It's that validation tool so that people can look at it and go, oh, I, I understand the mission. I see these are real people. They're doing real things. I, I want to be a part of it. Now let me sign up to be a part of it or let me give to be a part of it. And so we're hoping to, or, or we are, I should say, increasing engagement with, with volunteers and with donors through better websites. And so that's, that's kind of the, the core bedrock of, of why every nonprofit needs a solid website. There's a whole lot more to that. Of course, it gets very much more complicated and nuanced and all that sort of stuff along the way. 
but the bottom line is it's a validation tool. Yeah. So, you know, you, you brought up the point of, you know, having a better website. Like, what, in your opinion, you know, you've seen lots of organizations, lots of websites, good, bad, and in between. What, what in your opinion, makes a good website? Well, it's got to be mobile friendly. That, that's a, a given. I mean, it's rare that sites are not mobile friendly now, but if it's not, that's a really big red flag. So any, any nonprofit site that's not mobile friendly, I think that's kind of priority one. The next one is it's, it's got to be fast. So it, if it loads slow, you're going to, people are going to just bounce right off of it. It's got to load really, really fast and be, be streamlined. And then it's got to tell the story. Well, I mean, it, it's remarkable to me how difficult it is for a lot of organizations and nonprofits in particular to tell their story. And so the, here are these organizations that are really doing a good deal of a great deal of good. But when you say, okay, tell me what you do, they really have trouble getting to the core of what they do and stating it in a very simple way. And so, well, part of what we do at, with 40 and 48 is we help them walk through a process where we, we get them to tell us what they do and simplify and simplify and simplify until it's one sentence. And that sentence then guides the rest of the building of that website. And so uh, ideally a good website is going to help them to explain what they do in a simple and understandable way so that people can then get on board. Because the worst thing you can do is, is, is be interested in a nonprofit and go to their website and then just be completely lost as to what they do and why you're there. And then you get frustrated and 10 seconds later, you're, you know, off to Google doing something else. Yeah. You know, it's interesting too. you talk about the story being simple. Um, are there some things that nonprofits especially should be considerate of with their website versus for profits or an informational site or e-commerce site? What makes a nonprofit website different? And, and what are some things that they should be thinking about specifically for that group? You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of like the Simon Sinek talk, start with why. I think that probably applies to, to every organization to some degree, but it applies to nonprofits probably more than anyone else, right? I mean, they're in business for the why. And so for nonprofits that sort of start their website with here's the list of services, that's probably a miss, right? We, we need to always start with why are you doing what you're doing and use that why to connect to the, the, the hearts of the people that are visiting the site. And then from there, you can take them on the journey of, of the how or the what or, or whatever else that happens to be. But you've got to really always start with that, that, that very primal motivating why to really connect with people at a deeper level and then draw them deeper into the site. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a, it's a great point too. What do you think about, you know, should, should the website be there to facilitate fundraising more? Should it facilitate the story? Should it be about the donor? Have you seen anyone maybe, or, or maybe in your experience, um, you know, how do you even view the website in terms of fundraising? Does it, you know, exist for donations or what else should it exist for? Yeah, I mean, that's a tough question just because I think every nonprofit is a little bit different. I think there's always a fundraising component to a website or at least should be a fundraising component to a website because, uh, you know, for, I mean, for me, like let's, let's just, I'll, I'll be selfish in my own anecdotal experience, but when there is a nonprofit that I want to support, let's say I want to give them some money. I mean, the first thing I'm going to do is Google them and that's going to take me to a website and then I'm going to need information on that website on how to give. And so I, I think, you know, that, to me, that's the most obvious thing uh, that we'd want to make sure we emphasize on a site. And it could be that maybe it's an organization that's very volunteer driven. So that needs to be the first level of emphasis. And maybe donations is a secondary call to action. Uh, by call to action, I mean an action you want the user to take when they're on your website. So maybe the primary one is, hey, volunteer today. And the secondary one is, oh, and give some money. And that's fine. But I think every 
every good nonprofit website should have some kind of donation component, unless for some reason they just do not in any way care about donations, which may be the case with some nonprofits, but none that I'm aware of anyway. Yeah. How, you know, I'm curious to see just, you know, with the rate of change, how quick technology changes today, how it's being used, new ideas are coming out. Um, how have you seen kind of your world change with the, the world of nonprofit websites and fundraising uh, since you started? What are some of those big trends you've seen? Well, you know, they're, they're getting, so websites are getting easier to manage and maintain, which I think is great. And so like, for example, all the sites that we build uh, either at 48 and 48 or with Sideways 8, we build with the nonprofit user in mind so they can manage and edit their own website. So they're not they're not held hostage to some web developer, right? So that's probably the best thing that's happened is that you can produce these high quality, uh, very uh, amazing, you know, graphically designed websites that are then easy for the nonprofits to manage and maintain for a long period of time. So that's, that's, that's pretty great. Um, you know, the other thing is, I mean, I'm, I'm loving the, the, the strides that we're seeing in some of the technology around giving, you know, like for a great example is like for me, um, when I'm interested in giving to a nonprofit, I like the option to give on a recurring basis tied to a credit card, which, you know, 10 years ago I would, would have never been on anybody's radar. Like, why would you ever do that? But in my mind, like that's an easy way to support some, a nonprofit that, that I like a lot. And, uh, and, and it's a way for me to do it where I can, I can set it up once and then I don't have to worry about it long term. or, you know, being able to give from my phone. I mean, again, I, something that we would have thought about 10 years ago, but the ability to give quickly and easily from my phone is just a huge advantage for nonprofits now. So, I mean, I, I think just the ease of giving um, through, through, you know, the different platforms and mechanisms is, is really fantastic. Yeah. So what, one interesting question that I actually um, have been hearing more about as we enter 2019, it, you know, you talked about, Hey, it was, it was weird to pay on a credit card 10 years ago, especially recurring, but now that's commonplace. Where do you see cryptocurrency falling into this? Should websites be thinking about how to make it easy to accept cryptocurrency like Bitcoin? Uh, is that something that's on your radar? You know, so, so interestingly, um, and, and I don't know if you knew this prior to this, but I, but I also have a, I have a technology podcast uh, called Tech Talk Y'all. And we, we talk about cryptocurrency quite a bit, actually, uh, when it was going up and up and up in astronomical value. A year ago, we talked about it a lot more. And now we sort of talk about it dying off. Um, it, it's not going to die off. It's not going to go away. Cryptocurrency is in that, that weird early stage where uh, they're, 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 there's, there's, fight, there's fighting to be a leader in the space, right? And so eventually there is going to be some kind of cryptocurrency or, or a few that emerge as sort of the victors and then will become a pretty useful form of currency in my opinion. So I think we're getting closer and closer to the point where nonprofits should be able to, to accept cryptocurrency. I don't think it's a bad thing at all uh, for them to be able to accept it. Now it will become critical in the future. It's just a question of when that, you know, we're, we're in that transition right now, right now it's a good idea. Later, I think it'll be critical. At what point do, do you cross that threshold where it becomes critical? Right. I, I don't know. Um, but we're getting closer and closer to it every day. I think. Yeah. And it's always fun to think about the future because it gets here a whole heck of a lot faster than uh, we even realize sometimes. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't long ago that, you know, websites, it was nice if they were mobile friendly. It's like, oh, well, it should probably be mobile friendly. And that wasn't that many years ago. I mean, it's probably five years ago. There was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to add on a few bucks, we'll bid you a mobile friendly site. It'll be great. And now it's like, you, you look at a website and there's, you can't even dream or fathom that it would not be mobile friendly. I mean, of course it's mobile friendly. It has to be. But, you know, five years ago, it's just a nice add-on. 
Same thing. It's like that with Bitcoin or not Bitcoin yeah. in particular, but cryptocurrency in particular. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely live in a mobile first world now. Oh, 100%. So, you know, it's, it's 2019, um, world is uh, changing pretty quick and, and you see that, but you know, as you start to think about 2019, looking ahead to this year, is there any kind of word of advice or what's, what's your kind of word or thought for 2019 for nonprofits as they start the year? You know, I think my, the way, the way that I think about nonprofits in particular, and, and of course I think about nonprofit marketing more than anything. So I'll have to answer it from a marketing perspective. Yeah. And I, I should also mention, I have a nonprofit marketing podcast. I don't know if I mentioned that earlier either, but uh, it's called good people, good marketing. Um, and so one of the things I talk about a lot on that when I'm interviewing top level nonprofit marketers is that uh, with, with marketing, we can be very iterative in our approach. And what I find is that a lot of nonprofits don't realize how easy it is to to iterate and find what works and then modify and modify and modify and get better. And so what I mean by that is, you know, nonprofits for for very little money can, let's say, stand up a landing page with some information about their nonprofit and can use Google grants or, 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 or paid ads or whatever they want to, to drive traffic to that landing page. And then they can make, you know, spend very little money to drive traffic and then make minor tweaks along the way to see what works in terms of gaining followers or funders or volunteers or whatever, and, and really get a lot of bang for that buck if they're willing to iterate on that thing over and over and over again to make it better and better. And so I think my advice to, to all nonprofits in 2019 is sort of be ready to try new things and to iterate on those things. So, so don't just try something and then scrap it because it didn't work. Instead, try it. And then when it doesn't work, because it never works the first time, of course, so try it and then iterate and change it and see if it works then and then tweak it and see if it works then and tweak it again and again and again and again and again until it finally begins to work for you. And then it'll work better than you could ever could have imagined. Yeah. Well, and I love that you're talking about tweaking, optimizing. Um, it's one of the things too, uh, that, you know, we're really passionate about is test and optimize everything, right? If there was a right. silver bullet that existed, everyone would be using it. That's um, right. So, you know, how do you even, uh, maybe just simple ways, like what would you, uh, you know, give as advice for folks to, to start testing? How, how do you even approach that? Um, okay. Is there a best medium to start with? You know, you test in your direct mail, your email, your website. Uh, what are some simple ways that you found to say, hey, this is a great way to test and optimize, make some simple tweaks? Well, I mean, from a, so from a marketing perspective, I'll give, I'll give you a couple ideas. The first is it's, it's usually really easy to test emails, uh, email newsletters. So I would start with testing subject lines. And a lot of, I'd say most of the, most of the best uh, email newsletter uh, companies will have like an A-B testing option for that. And so you can say test one, you can see so you have a list of a thousand, it'll send 500 one email with one subject line and 500 an email with a different subject line and begin seeing which one gets you the most opens and the most engagement. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty easy test to begin with. Another one would be thinking about uh, some types of, of A-B testing on your website itself. Um, Optimizely.com is a really good a platform to use for this. It's pretty cheap. I think it's like 50 bucks a month or something like that. It's pretty easy to set up. And then you can do, th you can do neat little things like where you say, okay, on the homepage uh, for the donate button, I want, you know, for 50% of the time I want it to be red and for 50% of the time I want it to be green. And then you can see which one actually gets the most engagement and then you can change it to that permanently. And so, I mean, it's just a really easy way to begin to see small improvements. But, you know, if you think about it, small improvements over thousands of, of visits can make a huge difference in your marketing. And so I think those are two really easy ways to get started. Yeah. 
No, that's great. And even just the, like you mentioned, those small changes right down the road. Every time a donor comes to your website or anyone's looking for more information, they're making lots of little choices, right? Do I click yep. here? Do I go to the next page? Do I click to advance? Do I give a donation? Right. And uh, lots of ways to think about that journey. So that's great. Exactly. Yeah. The um, more we can tweak and learn, the better we can be. Absolutely. So what do you, you know, there, there are obviously lots of individual ways that organizations can tweak and every organization is unique and every donor base that they have is very unique. But what do you kind of see as maybe some large trends that people should be aware of entering 2019 as you kind of look at the state of fundraising, of nonprofit marketing entering 2019? Like what, what do you kind of see coming into the horizon in 2019? Well, I see a lot of nonprofits that are working hard on audience segmentation. So, you know, that's, that's saying, okay, I've got a newsletter of a thousand people. And instead of sending out the exact same thing to all thousand people, they break down those thousand people into say groups of 200 with specific interests. And so maybe one of the groups is very interested about volunteer opportunities. Maybe another group is very interested about community engagement. Another group's very interested about fundraising and they begin to send more specified and specific and, and customize newsletters to each segment. And that increases the engagement for each segment and, and the group overall. And so I'm seeing, uh, as I'm talking to marketers, I'm seeing a lot of that happening. Um, I think one of the other things to look out for in 2019 is going to be just better analytics all around. What's interesting about analytics is that, you know, we get these numbers and we don't really know what they mean. And, the, and we get numbers from Facebook and then we get different numbers from, from Google and then we get different numbers from LinkedIn. I mean, there's, there's all these analytics just everywhere. And eventually a platform's going to emerge that's going to help tie all those together and really help us to understand how they all interact and work together. I have yet to see that platform yet. I wish I could create it because I think there's a, a big market there, but, uh, but I think it will be coming uh, to the nonprofit space or the, the smaller business even space in the relatively near future, possibly in 2019. We'll find out. Yeah. You know, you mentioned segmentation and starting to look at your audience. Um, what are, how, how would you even, um, you know, instruct people to, to start that process? How do you think about segmenting, um, not even donors, but just anyone who's engaged with you? What, what, what tools or uh, strategies do you kind of talk through to help people think about starting that segmentation? Well, I think you have to look at how you attain that person's contact information to begin with. And so somebody that comes to your website and signs up for a newsletter has sort of a very general interest about your organization versus somebody that comes to your website and signs up to be, be a volunteer. But then uh, somebody that comes to your website and signs up as a donor has a completely different uh, like association and a completely different sort of view of your organization. And so when we begin to talk to all three of those, those parties exactly the same way, we really lose a lot of effectiveness. And so what I think nonprofits should do is say, okay, well, who, who came to who signed up this way? Who signed up through this path? What are the different paths that people signed up through? And then try to understand what was motivating them when they signed up through that path. And the volunteers are obviously what's motivating them is, is doing good in the world through volunteerism. The, the donors are, they want to do good in the world through the use of their, their, their run, their funds and their money. And so you have to begin engaging people on that level instead of just sort of engaging them at a generic level. So I think, yeah, I think just looking at the paths they used to, to come into the system is, is really important. Um, and then from there, you can begin to kind of, um, you know, talk to each of them very specifically. Yeah, no, that's great. So we talked about uh, there not being such a thing as a silver bullet, but we're going to break our own rule. And we're, I, I want to ask you a, a question to say, you know, if you could give uh, or, you know, nonprofits say, hey, here's one thing 
that you can change about your website or your marketing strategy that that we've seen could have a, a big lift or impact or maybe you know even the first thing that you look at when you're talking with organizations you know what's one thing that you would say hey do this make sure you're doing this thing so let me answer that with with a story that'll sort of circle back to something I think I said earlier but but I think it's important to illustrate it this way so I was I was a couple years ago, I was volunteering at a large nonprofit in my hometown. And I've known about this nonprofit literally since I was in middle school. And I'd volunteered with them for about a year. And I was sitting in the office of the, the head of marketing at the time. And I said, okay, listen, I don't mean to be dumb here. I don't know what you do. Like I'm, I'm here supporting you. I'm on a volunteer committee. You know, I've, I've been involved peripherally with this organization for many years. I don't understand what you do. Walk me through it. And the, the marketing, the head of marketing spent 10 minutes walking me through it on a board and, and explaining everything. And at the end of it, I walked out of the office and I still had no idea what they did. And so my, my recommendation is, is never, ever, ever let that happen to anyone ever again with your nonprofit. I think the, the most important thing, the, the first thing that I look for when I look at any nonprofit's material of any kind is that one to two sentence, I'd say, honestly, I'd say probably that 10 word description at the very top of their website that tells me what they do and why I should care. And if you do not have that, if that's not just so clear that a middle schooler can read it and fully understand what they, what, what the nonprofit does and why, why they should care. I say that's the first thing to fix today right now because it loses so many people because they just get very, they get lost in the shuffle of all the craziness on the websites. Yeah. You know, and it's true. I think we all kind of, you know, can, uh, fall to that because, you know, when we're working day in and day out, the organizations, we, we feel like, Hey, we know that we know our mission, but is that properly represented on the outside? Do our volunteers know that as we all on the same page and consistent with that uh, and making it simple to understand uh, is a big piece of that. That's great advice. Right. Well, I think the more uniform a nonprofit can be in their messaging. And so not just on their website, but on social media to their volunteers, the, the more, they can repeat that, that very simple statement about what they are about and why they're doing it. The more it becomes ingrained in their culture, the more it becomes ingrained in their DNA and the DNA of their volunteers and the DNA of their, of their teams. And the clearer it becomes so that when people do want to support that nonprofit, it's extraordinarily clear what they're doing and why they should support. Yeah. Yeah. All, all great, all great words there, Adam. Um, curious to see uh, as you know, looking ahead this year, what are you excited about? What's getting you, you know, when you wake up in the morning, what are you thinking about? What are you excited about as you kind of look at uh, where you're at in the world? Man, that's a, that's a really interesting question. So I, I don't, a lot of things, right? I mean, I mean, I'm excited about the 48 and 48 events that are coming up. Um, I'm also kind of excited about kind of my own personal networking sort of plan for the year. And so I'm about to sit down actually one of my parties for this week is to, to kind of write out like what is my personal networking plan in terms of how I'm going to grow my own network and influence in order to better serve both of the organizations that I, I help to lead. And it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, networking is, it's kind of always about who you know. And what I begin to realize is that I know a lot of great people that also know a lot of great people. And so I'm always trying to figure out, okay, now how, how can I, how can I leverage that to do more good in the world and to grow these organizations that help to do more good in the world? So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that in particular. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. That's, that's the main one right now. 
it's got my attention. And, and by the way, there's an interesting tool for that for anybody that might want to check it out called Contextually. That's a good like little personal CRM networking sort of tool uh, that I use for that. It's a pretty interesting tool. Yeah, no, I, lo- I love that. And I love that you say that because, you know, the, the more and more you network, the more and more you, you talk to other people, the more you realize that people do just love to help. Yeah. And sometimes we just have to ask. And, right. and being intentional about that, I think it's a great thing to be thinking about as we look at 2019, but just to, for, for personal, professional reasons, for, for anyone's organization, just being kind, asking for help and seeking that intentionally, I think is great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I think people are more willing to do more. People are willing to do more for us than we often realize if we'll just ask smart questions. You know, one of my, so I've got a theme for this year. I decided 2019, I was going to give myself a theme. And so my theme is to uh, slow down and simplify. And so, because what I realized is in, in this, in this age of, of very quick communication and text messages back and forth, and um, really communication is very hard. And, and it's very complex and we take it too lightly. And so I'm trying to slow down and, and really look at, you know, myself, look at my people, uh, look at my friends and, and just, you know, who do I need to connect with? Who, who is important for me to connect with for, for themselves or for my, for, for their benefit or for mine. And then, you know, what are their networks look like and how can I connect with them and how can I interact with these people? And, and I want to be very thoughtful about that rather than quick about it. I think that's the difference. I want to, I'm trying to be slow down and be thoughtful. Yeah. And I think having that mindset of it is about how I can help as well, right? Kind of just for the greater good. It's uh, and, and making that a very, uh, like you said, intentional thing, a human thing. Yeah. It goes a long way. Absolutely. So we're going to, we're going to ask you some kind of fun questions now, grab bag stuff just to get you, get you on your toes. So. All right. All right. All right. First one here, room, desk, or car? Which of these would you clean first? So think about like your office desk, your work desk, your room, or your car. What do you clean Ooh, first? What do you keep man. clean? Well, I, I, I would love to say that I keep all of them clean, but I'm not sure that's actually true. Uh, I'm going to go with desk because desk is where I'm going to spend my time and being productive. And I need, I need cleanliness to be productive, though it does at times become a mess. But I, I'm going to go with desk. All right. Yeah. No, we won't read into anything, but that's the answer. So if you could be any other profession uh, other than what you're doing now, anything that you could do, what would you like to attempt? Oh man. Uh, I would, I would love to have a, like a, a startup company with a product. Um, you know, right now I'm a, so I, I run a kind of two service-based companies. I mean, sideways eight is a digital agency. It's, it's very service-based. 1448 is very service-based in terms of events. Um, I'd love to actually like create a product digital or otherwise, and then, you know, grow it and mature it and, and whatever else. I'm, I'm very interested in products right now. Um, though I, I have not come up with one that I think is worthwhile at all. <laughs> so maybe one day. Yeah. Well, why, why products specifically now? Curious. Uh, I, I love, I love the idea. I mean, it's kind of that iterative thing, right? Like yeah. with a product, you, you create something and there becomes a need, a demand for it. But then you get to just make it better and better and better and better and learn and learn from it and learn from the users. And, and I love that idea of like this, this kind of one thing that just continues to evolve and become better and better and better over time. Um, and ideally, you know, for me, it would be some kind of product that like helps people or like helps them be productive or manage their time better. Or I don't know, something like that. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I just, I love the, the concept of that, like, like pouring all of my attention 
into this thing that I can continually look at and just make better. You know, it's like, it's because right now all of my, I've got like a million projects. Um, and I know with, with a product, you still have a million projects, but it's a million projects surrounding one central project, which I, I really like the idea of that. Yeah. And always fun to see what you start with and then where you end up and, and the path that leads you there and generally unexpected a lot of times. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. Very unexpected. I mean, some of the best products that I've seen, you know, have like that, they, they didn't start there in intent. Like they, they started with one product, they had to shift to a whole different product and now that's incredibly successful and that's great. You know, and I'd be happy to do that too, but it's, it's an interesting learning process, I think. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's good advice too, just for, for all of our listeners or for anyone, right? We start with an idea, right? We start with the concept and I think being open to learning, changing, getting feedback and constantly iterating, it changes and morphs into something that maybe is even better than we initially had thought. Oh yeah. I mean, well, you know, I, I had, I did have a similar experience to that with 48 and 48 where, you know, originally my, my intention was that every site would be completely custom designed, custom built. Uh, which would have just been completely impossible. Right? Anybody that knows web development in any way would know that 48 sites custom designed and custom built over a weekend is just complete insanity. And so instead we ended up doing it in more of a, a more templated sort of fashion, um, which still has worked out great because they're highly customizable. But I had to be willing to listen to feedback from people that were really smart and shift that, that process or we never would have made 48 the first year and then we never, we'd never be doing what we're doing now because of that. So I think we have to be ready to listen to listen to reason and shift what we're doing based on that, even if it's a fundamental type thing. Yeah. And just seeing 48 and 48 grow and the impact it's having, right. That's, that's due to the fact that you guys are able to, to shift and be open to feedback. Exactly. Exactly. And we're, and we're still doing that. We're still learning. We're still growing, still trying to make improvements and do things better. Awesome. So last question, uh, what is your favorite word? word of the year or your favorite word? Man. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess I got to go with the word of the year and I guess I'd go with slow. And I, and I say that just because I, I'm a bit of a productivity junkie, which means that I'm always moving maybe a, a hair too fast. And I'm realizing that that can often make me move past people more quickly than I should. And I want to, I want to slow down I want to value the people that are in my life. I want to give them my full attention instead of, you know, being on a call and taking notes somewhere else about something else or checking emails or, you know, whatever other, other million things I'm, I'm wanting to do. I want to slow down. Um, and so I guess I, I got to go with slow on that one. Hey, I love it. So Adam, uh, that's it for today. I'd love for you though, to let people know how they can get a hold of you. Um, and any other info, uh, websites as well, um, for folks to check you out. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with a whole bunch of information here. So uh, the first is I do have a blog. Uh, my blog is adamjwalker.com, A-D-A-M-J-W-A-L-K-E-R.com. On that blog, you can link to my podcast. So I'll just give you that and I won't, won't give you the podcast. Uh, but on the, on the blog, I do talk about leadership, productivity, um, the craziness of having five kids, which I do, and all kinds of other crazy things. Uh, I did my most recent post, I think was about my, my theme for the year and why it's my theme and what I want to do with that. So, um, the other links I'll give you is sideways eight. Uh, that's my digital agency sideways and the number eight.com and 48 and 48. If you, uh, are a part of or know or have a friend or even have a Facebook account or a Twitter account and think that there may be a nonprofit person on there, uh, I would love for you to post about 48 and 48 and because we need nonprofits to sign up all the time. We're always running short on nonprofits that we can help surprisingly, and we need more to sign up. So uh, 48in48.org, 48in48.org, and I uh, would love to have people sign up there. 
That's great. Also yeah. on Twitter, uh, AJ Walker on Twitter. Sorry, I'll say that. That's it. So for all who didn't hear, 48 and 48, we need more folks to sign up. Um, definitely get involved in that. Uh, so Adam, thank you so much for hum- uh, coming on today. Really appreciate your insights. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks, everybody.